Welcome to the Banter Savvy Podcast. I'm BanterBot, and along with your hosts, Rebecca, Tyler, and Matt, we're here to bring you your weekly reliable and interesting source of stories, humor, and news. Today, Matt will be giving us the grim news about when a supernova will destroy the Earth and slightly more upbeat news about the James Webb Telescope. Everyone crack your beers, and Matt, you can take it away. I'm going to be telling you about supernovas, as well as Betelgeuse the Star and the James Webb Satellite, which is going to be launching into space. So today's topics are all space orientated, something that I really enjoy, so hopefully you guys will enjoy as well. So starting with supernovas, scientists have been able to capture images of a dying star that's 60 million light years away. They've known about the star for quite some time, about a year, so April 2020, so just over a year now. In uh, COVID years, that's four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Using COVID math, that's four years, yeah, yeah, exactly. So what they've been able to do, they've been able to capture all phases of the supernova, and it was purely by accident. So what happened was there was an observatory pointing in the general location of where the supernova was going to happen, and as well as the space telescope. When I say space telescope, it's obviously in space. <laughs> hence the name. The observatory that was pointed at the star that was going supernova was called the Zwicky Transient Facility at the Palomar Observatory in San Diego, California. And then the satellite was the NASA's Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, or TESS for short. So once they realized what they were witnessing, they scrambled as many astronomers as they could together, got the Space Hubble telescope pointed towards it, and like a handful of other telescopes around the world. So this was an intense light show that has yielded a huge amount of data for them. So they've never actually managed to capture a supernova or go through any like stages. Because usually what, what they'll see, they'll, they'll, they'll zoom in and it'll, do, it'll just be a, a massive light show. So they managed to see the star break away and, and actually like explode. They captured all of this across a whole year. So the entire life cycle of the supernova. And what this does, it brings up, gives them like a plethora of information about why a star goes supernova, how to see the warning signs of when a star is going to go supernova. The, the astronomers are all super excited about it. I'm pretty excited about it as well because I love space. They want to try and build a warning system so they're able to like look at other stars and be like, okay, this star is going to go supernova in the next year or the next 10 years, the next five years. Or So I just want to step back slightly because I've said a couple of words here like supernova and light year that maybe some of the people that are listening won't really know what we're talking about. What's a supernova? Exactly. What's a supernova? Before I tell you what a supernova is, I'm going to tell you what a light year is. Okay. But, but Dad. <laughs> we're getting to the juicy stuff. We're getting to the juicy it's stuff in a minute. It's a song by Oasis. It is a song by Oasis. It's great. It's, it's a champagne supernova, that one. Yeah, champagne. Add the champagne. Or it's, it's a character in an animated show starring Chris Evans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so a light year is exactly what it sounds like. It's, a di- it's the distance it takes light to travel in one year. And that's it. No. <laughs> it was, it's, it's funny about, sorry, about light years. Um, a lot of people, it's kind of like the, the Parsec argument for, for Star Wars. Like, right. is, it, is it distance or is it time? Right. People think of a light year and they think of a year. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually a, a unit of distance that we use to then measure time. Because exactly. Because light, right. light is constant. It does not go 1.1. Uh, 9.9, light yeah. is light. <laughs> and it doesn't really stop, it just keeps going. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. There's so, a start or end to it. Exactly. So yeah, yeah light, light years are, uh, it's interesting because you, you frequently see people say like, and, and you'll catch sci-fi shows actually making this mistake too, is, oh, it's it's three light years away and they're like on Earth the entire time. Or, or like it's it's like three light years until until this whatever happens on Earth and, and they're on Mars or something. And it's like, no, that's not how light years work. <laughs> no, yeah. exactly. You, yeah. It's the amount of 
distance you're traveling, and it just takes light a year to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. good reminder. Yeah. Still yeah. going to be three light years in three years, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're making any progress towards something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So sci-fi sci shows, we're watching you. No, no mistakes. Yeah, we're calling we're you out. calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, this this star happens to be 60 million light years away. So what that means is the light from the supernova as it exploded and the light was sent out into space took 60 million years for that light beam to hit the telescope for us to see it. Oof. So obviously we can't just like see back into the past. So because like if we if we went straight to that point, it just it wouldn't be there. Yeah, this is long already happened. long gone. Yeah. yeah, long gone. We're just seeing the remnants of it right now. So now to explain how we're we're able to like witness it, what you have to imagine is, okay, so the supernova went off, the light beam sent out, and because space is so vast and it's, it's going to sound weird, but mostly empty, there's obviously galaxies and billions of them, but like it, space is huge. So there's a huge amount of like gap. So what happens is the, the light beam is relatively unaffected. So the light pattern that we're seeing through the telescope is almost exactly what happened at the point of the light leaving from the supernova. So that's how we're able to see it. Just to like dumb that down a little bit more. So if I was, so I'm currently moving. If I find a photo of myself from 1995 when I was seven years old, the light that I'm looking at, so imagine that the photograph is the supernova that exploded. Now the light that's bouncing from that picture into my eyes is seeing myself back in 1995. So that's kind of, and there's nothing blocking it. So I put my hand across the front of it i'm not going to see the light bouncing off that photo so i'm not going to see that light happening so that's kind of a mind dumbed blowing. down version way of, of understanding how that works it blows my mind yeah it yes. does all the spacey things do supernova <laughs> happening in your head right now yeah. yes, it is. <laughs> you can just see it yeah yeah uh, when i was a kid I, I always heard about oh that light that we're seeing right now was from when dinosaurs were around and i always used to think if I could instantly go to that planet and then look down that light shaft, I would see dinosaurs on the Earth, and that's just not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool idea, though. Yeah, that's just not yeah. how it works at all. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's a light year. That's kind of a dumbed-down version of what what a light year is and how it how we're able to see things technically in the past. So the next one is obviously the big one, supernova. So a star can die in two ways: it burns out all of its fuel and just fades away. That's the one way it will die. And the second way is obviously having this huge explosion, which is called a supernova. So how that works is stars burn a huge amount amount of nuclear fuel and what happens at the core is when it's burning it, it creates a whole lot of pressure and heat and that's pushing out from the core to the surface of the star and because the stars are so massive they're making a gravity the gravity is being formed and it's equaling out that pressure that's exerted out so the gravity is exerting the equal amount of pressure in and the heat from the nuclear fuel being burned is equal pressure out hmm. so what happens is when that fuel burns burns out that pressure is gone the pressure pushing out is gone and what happens gravity doesn't go away <laughs> yeah so it it caves in and so fast and so powerful that the outer part of the star just explodes out and that makes a supernova and it does it in 15 seconds the oh. roughly calculated average is 15 seconds. light seconds yeah light seconds <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine just like you're looking at a star uh, to say like this 60 million light year away star is within eyes eyes view and in 15 seconds it just goes supernova you're like oh cool look away look back and it's just a massive huge supernova that's coming out yeah. it's insanely fast wow. it's insane so do the bits just blow away is that yeah so as the press the gravity pushes in because there's no there's no equal pressure pushing out it just caves in the, the star so fast and then yep. it, it, and then just blows it just up ruptures the outer the star out and just makes wow. this massive huge supernova huh so in the first three weeks of the supernova supernovas last for a really long time depending on the size of the star but in the first three weeks this it gets brighter and brighter and then fades after a few months 
So that's what a supernova is. And obviously we talked about Lightyear. We're going to talk about a cheeky star called Beetlejuice and not the character <laughs> Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Say it Beetlejuice. One more time. Beetlejuice. <laughs> hey, get out of here. <laughs> um, so this star we can see with the naked eye. It's actually part of the Orion, um, not Orion's belt, but Orion the hunter. So in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the yellowy glowing star in the top right. So if you, got, if you see Orion's belt, if you see Orion's belt, the top left, sorry, but you'll see a slightly yellow star and that, that is Beetlejuice. But if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, the constellations are upside down and reversed. So that would be the bottom right-hand corner. And it's one of the brightest stars in the sky. So it's one of the first stars you'll see. It's five times the size of our sun. And it's really interesting, this star, because astronomers and scientists everywhere were getting really, like, excited about it because it started to, like, flicker. So they were all, like, it was about last year this was happening. So they were all pointing their telescopes and, and space satellites towards it and trying to figure out, okay, is it, is it dying? Is it going to go supernova? It, it wasn't. It basically, what, <laughs> what happened? What, sorry to lay, lay you all down. This is it, the biggest uh... scientific blue balls ever. Yeah, it was huge blue balls. What they discovered was... There was like some liquid plasma that was that was blocking the um the the southern part of the star, which is making it look dimmer. Yeah, I get the same after I have milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> As I was saying. <laughs> the star gets dimmer because it, because this plasma was in front of it and it cooled and made it like all dusty. So what they've scientifically proven is Beetlejuice is quite dusty. <laughs> that's, that's 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 what the article said. So I was like, all right. So, and I thought it would be kind of interesting to figure out like what would happen if Beetlejuice was to go supernova because it's so like bright and it's only I say only, but it's only about it would only take light four hundred to six hundred light years to like the light from Beetlejuice to to get to Earth. Mm. So not sixty million. It's four hundred to six hundred years. Um, significantly closer. Significantly and, and closer. Not something we need to worry about here. No, no, no. <laughs> I will. I will say this: the the scientists have said that if it was to go supernova, Earth would be fine. Like we wouldn't be affected really because of the solar winds of the Earth. Science got it. Yeah, science, science mumbo jumbo stuff. Yeah. Okay, so if if it was to go supernova, we would see it would be as bright as a half moon. So if you think at nighttime, you see the half moon, the brightness that's coming off that during the day. That's how bright we would see. We would oh. see it. Huh. And you also have to imagine that remember that the Beetlejuice is, is like a tiny little star in the light, and it would cast shadows at night. Hmm. Like that's how. So the brightness of the moon, how close it is, like broken down, like put down into a tiny little like symbol, and just like beaming right at us. Huh. So and it would last for a year. We'd see in the in the sky for a year that supernova. So that would end a lot of the life on this planet. By the way, <laughs> that mm. that level of of brightness for for half oh, the planet for, sure. for a year. <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, I don't know how much it would cover the Earth, unfortunately, but like. I imagine it'd be dark side of the moon situation. We'd have half yes. the planet just like yeah. Well, if if it's with rotating and moving as well, so we'd, we'd, we'd still have a cycle. The, yeah, we'd have a cycle for sure. But I'm sure there'd be an extended period of time where the sun and that would be on the same side. Oh yeah, uh, and, the day. and we'd get sun, we'd get moonlight on the other side, and that's it. So we'd be like yeah. living in darkness, some of us. Uh, no, no, no brightness. Uh, living more, in brightness. more brightness. Yeah, okay. it'd be a second moon, basically. Think like uh, uh -huh. think like Alaska, where they have what is it? Eight to ten months of darkness, and then two months of pure brightness. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this it, is the brightness. It'd be that probably on like a daily capacity. Ugh. It would be impossible to miss. Like you wouldn't. Yeah. Like everyone would say it would be like impossible to like. We'd have two suns giving us a daytime at varying times, and they would occasionally overlap and occasionally not overlap. 
And I mean, that would be the only darkness we would get. Yeah. I mean, it would be better to have more brightness than more darkness, I think. I would take more <laughs> I would brightness. Take more right? brightness yes, yeah, there, there Most people would. But like I mean, all the nocturnal animals would be a little bit like... Yeah, nocturnal funky. animals, I'm sure that would cause yeah. issues in, in the ocean as well. Uh, the amount of water going up, we'd get storms worldwide. I think that's more of... gravitational pull, is that not from the, from the moon? That's not necessarily the brightness. No, the, the water, uh, what, is the, what is the word, uh, goes into the air. Evaporation. Evaporation. Right. Evaporation. Yeah, okay, heat. Because right. we'd, yeah, we'd yeah. get heat and sunlight evaporating yeah. the water constantly. It's funny because so, I didn't really think mm. about it from this point. I just thought, that's super cool. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's hella it cool. cool yeah. but it, it's also, like, that's that's horrifying. You know, they to think about, like, obviously the nocturnal animals would have issue a lot of the times. Uh, <laughs> the ocean would evaporate at a larger rate. We'd probably have the polar ice caps melting a lot quicker, uh, which we do not need. <laughs> Please There'd be Beetle some weird snow. shit happening. <laughs> yeah, maybe, There'd be yeah. some weird shit happening, yeah. yeah. Sunglasses sales would go through the roof. That's weird enough. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see like how much light it did actually give us. I know because if you think of like a uh, like a, a ceiling light, and then you turn a flashlight on, it would be kind of that kind of feel to it. Because it wouldn't yeah. be the size of the moon and the spread of the moon; it would be a lot more pinpointed. It'd but you still get the light. Types of light in the but, same room. But Absolutely. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting. It wouldn't be like having two full moons because the moon is giving off a big spread of light because how close it is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as light travels in distance, it does get like wider and wider. It's kind of cool and interesting. So just to give us a little bit of history of Beetlejuice, it's been talked about throughout Earth's history. How many light years away did you say Beetlejuice is? I think it's actually 600 to 650, somewhere around that that distance. Year. That, so it takes, it takes 600 to years, years, not millions of years? Not millions of years. No, 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 no. Is that the closest supernova? It's not. The 80 years. I, I, I thought it was when I looked it up. 80 years. Will we see a supernova in our time? No. That's no, I, I, this is this something is I'm wondering. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we would see it long after it happened, presumably. Uh, yes. But no, I was curious about uh, how far away Beetlejuice was compared to our sun. Just to, oh, yeah. Just to put a comparison in there. And I was shocked. So when you, when you said 400 to 600, I was like, oh, well, what am I looking at here? And I Googled it. And it's like 147 million for our sun. But that's kilometers. Yes. So yeah, I was yeah. like 147 yeah. million light years. That's how is Beetlejuice that much closer. But 147 million kilometers is 8.3 light. light minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, say eight, it takes eight minutes for the light from the sun to get here. Yeah. Uh, so yes. that, that's kind of an indication of how far Beetlejuice still is away. Light <laughs> yes. minutes. Beetlejuice is quite far away. Yeah. yeah that's, that's still hella far. I, I would not have figured that there was that big of a difference. And I mainly didn't think our sun was that close compared to it. I would assume it was still quite further away. But yeah, I would have <laughs> said a couple light years i would have thought yeah it, like realistically a couple like, just a handful right baker yeah. baker's dozen baker's dozen yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would make no sense because it would take 12 years for, for light to, to hit the earth right yeah <laughs> we'd be like be very cold for a few years yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway um just to go back to some of the history of beetlejuice beetlejuice has been known through human history for a very long time since the first century with Sima Kwan mentions Beetlejuice and his treatise on celestial apparitions. All the researchers observed was a yellow glow from the, this particular star. But by the second century BC, based on the research done by Ptolemy, it had turned red. Sorry, I also forgot to mention that Beetlejuice is a red dwarf. It's a red giant, sorry, not a red dwarf. That would be a whole different story. Totally different D&D race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, it would be a lot further along in his lifetime if it was a red dwarf. It's a, it's a red giant right now. And if, if I'm not mistaken, generally the, the giants are uh, larger because they still have more fuel and then the dwarfs are more compressed. Yes. Because they, and this is just using existing knowledge uh, mixed with what you just told me, mm -hmm. uh, the dwarf is smaller uh, and generally like brighter and more vicious because yes. it is then that, that gravity to fuel ratio is more gravity 
making it smaller and more condensed. When I think of like a, a neutron star where it's super condensed and, you know, one, one teaspoon of the sun uh, is millions of tons. That's what they're thinking when they think that's why it's smaller, uh, but it is more vicious and, and angrier uh, and, and whatnot. It's that compressed yeah, the, the giant stuff is, is quite dangerous. The giant, a red giant is more fuel than gravity, whereas a red dwarf is more gravity than fuel. Right. That's correct, I believe. <laughs> We're spitballing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> so, Neil, Gra- <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson comes in and he's like, no, you're ball wrong. <laughs> Slap across the face, yeah. yeah what are you talking about? Science. Boxing gloves on. He's like, I didn't hear Nobel. <laughs> just, just, just to clarify, this is high school level uh, science. <laughs> <laughs> this is 45 minutes on Wikipedia while having a beer. <laughs> so, so let's say grade eight high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just to go back to the, okay, so the second sentence BC, based on Tommy's research, it turned red, and so it became this red giant. It not only changed red, it also it's increased its rotation speed. And the theory for this was because it devoured its closest celestial brother or sister, a star. So it, it, ate, it ate the star, took the fuel from the star, and just like rapidly, rapidly increased its, its rotation speed. Hmm. It's, it has incredible pace. It's about five kilometers per second, which is four times faster than our sun. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. It's, Holy it's cow. quite quick. We don't have to worry about our sun becoming a supernova from, as we know right now anyway, because it would need to be five to ten times larger than it is to go supernova. You have to, you have to, to be on a much bigger scale. Thank God. Yeah, so, and if you're wondering, hey, are we going to see Betelgeuse go supernova in a lifetime? Probably not, because it's got another, like, 100,000 years of life left in it. I mean, a human might, but not us. Between now and the next 100,000 years, it will, it will go supernova. So there is still a very slim chance we may see it, but not likely. But- I want to see a supernova. <laughs> yeah, you you know you you don't know, man. Don't, I don't, don't know. Make any I don't know. I don't know. You don't know what could happen. It's always a Thirteen minutes from now. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. So that's Betelgeuse for you. Now moving on to the James Webb Space Telescope, the largest orbital telescope ever made, that will allow astronomers to astronomers astronomers to study the atmosphere of an alien planet, learn about how stars formed in the Milky Way, and peer into the farthest reaches of the universe. The telescope is scheduled to head to space on December eighteenth, twenty twenty one. To see deep into the universe, the telescope has a very large mirror and must be kept extremely cold. Getting a fragile piece of equipment like this into space is no simple task. The Webb Telescope has a mirror over twenty feet across, a tennis court sized sunshade to block the solar radiation and four separate cameras and sensor system to collect the data. It works kind of like a satellite dish. Light from a star or galaxy will enter the mouth of the telescope and bounce off the primary mirrors towards the four sensors. This design will help allow scientists to study stars form in the Milky Way and the atmosphere of planets outside our solar system. It may even be possible to figure out the composition of these atmospheres. One of the main goals of the telescope is to study distant galaxies close to the edge of the observable universe. It takes billions of years for the light from these galaxies to cross the universe and reach Earth. Astronomers estimate the images that the James Webb Telescope could show proto-galaxies that formed only 300 billion years after the Big Bang, when they were just 2% of their current age. I believe, actually I don't know, I think this might be the age of the Earth, is 13.5 billion years old. Yeah, I believe that's the age of the Earth, so I'm not going to say what the age of the galaxy is, because I don't know. My, in my vast knowledge, I have nothing to correct you with, so we're going to assume that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so the James Webb Space Telescope will orbit a million miles from Earth, which is about 4,500 4, times more distant than International Space Station, and much too far to be serviced by astronauts, so it has to be done like remotely and by remote control robots. So they have to wait 35 days after launch for the parts to cool before beginning alignment. After the mirrors unfold, the camera will snap sequences of high-res images of the individual mirror segments 
segments. The telescope team will analyze the images and tell motors to adjust segments in steps measured in billionths of a meter. Billionth of a meter. Once the motors move the mirrors into position, which they say will take about six months process, once completed, the telescope will begin collecting the data. So it's quite a long ordeal. Like, so yeah. it's going to go up in December. It's going to take six months to align it already. And that's if nothing goes wrong. So what they'll do, they have, they have extra cameras. So they have the four main ones and then they'll have, a, I believe, the one, at least one. That's why I read at least one extra one. So if one camera goes down, they'll use this other camera to take the photos. Because someone has to see this. They can't just be like, push one button. It's not plug and play, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Still only half as difficult to repair as an iPhone. That's true. Well, they're getting better with it now. They're allowing it. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> that's next week. <laughs> So they'd be working on this project for 20 years. And the last telescope that launched up there was in 2003. So it's been seven, almost 20 years, I guess, now that uh, the, the, and they, they put a brand new telescope. And look at the technology from like 2003 to, to now. It's exponentially better. So yeah, they, they spent 20 years working on this project. Astronomers will at last have a telescope able to peer into the farthest, most distant region of the universe. And that is the James Webb Telescope. So just to summarize and wrap up the episode, we spoke about how astronomers have now mapped the life cycle of a star going supernova. We chatted about the super interesting star called Betelgeuse. I encourage anyone to look that up because there's tons of information out there. And how it tricked astronomers into thinking it was dying. Finally, how we'll be seeing the launch of the James Webb Webb Space Telescope in December of 2021 and how it will hopefully give us tons of information on some of the earliest galaxies that formed just after the Big Bang. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Well, their drinks are empty and we are out of time. That was the answer to whether or not we die in a supernova. And thankfully, the answer is a resounding maybe, but mostly no. We're going to be keeping up with the James Webb Telescope as it launches on December 22nd. And we hope you will too. As always, if Banter Savvy got something wrong, please do reach out to them on Twitter. And you can always find them on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram to see more content they've made for you. Thanks for listening, Space Cadets. Nailed it.